Voice Memos podcast with Jen and Myron. Hey, welcome to Voice Memos. I am Myron Clifton and my co-host is Jennifer. So Jennifer is a wonderful lady. She's originally from Wisconsin, now in California, flaming redhead with a beautiful big old dog named Mojito that I call Beast. She's a great sister, daughter, and a great friend. And uh, she is my co-host. Hey, Jennifer. Hello, hello. So nice that we're recording this because I get to save this and hear this over and over again, the compliments that you gave me. So I lied. <laughs> this is my friend and probably my bestest friend. I've known Myron over 20 years. He is a published author. He is an amazing writer, highly intelligent. And one thing that I can really tell you about him that stands out is how he raises his daughter, Leah. Is it, is it that it's busy at work right now? Like what's happening? Um, no, it's just, you get to a point sometimes where things come up or meetings are scheduled. So then I had to move my lunch around so that I could, of course, come and chat with you today. And by doing that, I had to make sure that there was enough people on the phones and all that kind of stuff. So, Oh, namaste. It actually is a pretty good distraction, though, you know, when you have a lot to juggle at once. Yes, yes. So distractions can be um, just what we need. So I know you've had a hard week. Yeah. Um, I'll leave it to you. No, hopefully I can make it through this podcast and... You know, in regards to my beloved Mojito, who is, as what the pet world says, has passed over to Rainbow Rainbow Bridge. Um, You know, those that have followed our podcast over the last six or seven episodes pretty much know that Mojito was a character. And, And those that listen that have known me many, many years, Mojito, I rescued when he was 12 weeks old. And, you know, I went through a divorce, I moved a couple places, and this dog was with me along the way. And he was diagnosed with a lot of different diseases that we were able to manage through medication and monthly shots. And, you know, they always tell you, and they just means other people that have experienced pet loss or pet grief have told you that you'll know when the time is right. And I was, I took him to the vet last Thursday and he hates going to the vet. I mean, who likes doing that anyways? I don't, I've never met a dog that gets excited to walk through an office that's sterile like that, but um, brought him home after his appointment. The doctor sat with him for a little while and, you know, all his blood work came back great. And, you know, he was fine. Just old, of course, lymphoma, Addison's disease, high blood pressure, low thyroid. And then he was getting a mass on his toe that would eventually led to him having his toe amputated. So I bring him home on Thursday night and he's got massive diarrhea. I mean, my, this dog has just been a solid pooper. So proud. Cause that would be something I would say, I would say, well, he's pooping normally and he's eating his food and 
to me, that was a sign that he's okay. Right. And so he had his diarrhea and then a Friday morning woke up again, Friday afternoon again, it was nonstop. And then his mass on his toes started bleeding. And I was laying in bed that night after I got him settled and something just clicked into me and said, it's time. So I looked for vets or in-home euthanasia that uh, what's pretty amazing is that the vet comes to your house so that your pet can pass away in an environment that he's familiar with or she's familiar with. Mm. And that is uh, the last gift I could give him. And they, the doctor that I had there from beloved pet mobile in Davis, um, Dr. Blahut, I think you would say his name mm-hmm. and his assistant, they walk you through the process of what every thing is and they give you the time. So first shot is an opioid to calm him down. Second is, you know, anesthesia, which at that moment, it's almost like going into surgery. So he doesn't know that I'm there. And then the third shot stops his heart. So they came in and, you know, we're giving him treats, familiar themselves with him. He was, you know, trying to find the treats because, you know, he can't see. And I gave him his last treat. And normally Mojito would bolt out his doggy door every time he got a treat so that he could eat his treat in peace. Uh. And this time I gave him his treat and he ate it right in the hallway. And after that, he got up and walked into the office where he is my office, where he has been spending you know, most of his days because it's warm here and sleeping on the floor. And he went in there and that's when I said, we should start the process. So, yeah, I tell you when the vet was watching him, they, he said that you see how he's breathing through his belly. This is before we started the process that he's breathing through his belly, that his belly's moving when he actually should be breathing through his chest. So he was really doing his job to breathe. And he, I, he said a lot of people wait until the dog is in pain, then they set the dog down. But I think this is the doctor talking. I think it's more humane if you take care of him before he's in pain, like why should he live his last days on earth in pain? And, you know, I knew that it was the right decision, but I tell you, sir, that, his last breath, he definitely took a piece of me with him. Wow. Yeah. I'm very sorry. Uh, and I know how hard it is to share um, that about Mojito in the, the very week. Like, just it's, it's just been a couple of days, huh? Yeah, Monday. So Monday they did it. They came over and, um, you know, I, t- I, I, I ma- I'm making a promise to myself because, one, I always liked getting up early in the morning to take him for his walks. I mean, we did that seven days a week, 365 rain or shine. And I committed to him that I would take his leash with him and take him on a walk with me every morning. So that's been a little bit of a calming thing for me, sort of processing through the grief because I know it never goes away. I just hope for it to get easier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as you mentioned, we've talked about Mojito on this podcast and as Mojito's been the only guest star like yeah consistent (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's a a regular and And he could uh, give zero fucks about it 
he didn't care at all. No, like, he didn't care at all. Um, I, I, I the couple of times I think I walked with you and watched him, you know, probably in the last few years when he would uh, all out run to chase rabbits. Oh my god, like a maniac! Like full speed in those giant open fields, <laughs> his muscles just rippling and just just chase him as. I mean, like, like his life depended on it. <laughs> like he thought he, he literally thought that he is young and viral. Very, very, what, what's the wording that you use for that young and viral? Yeah. Yeah. That he could catch one of them, a, a, a jackrabbit that is prancing through life quickly to get away from everything. He thought. Right. He and get, right. And those jackrabbits can turn on a dime. Like they, they get just <laughs> like, all of a sudden a sharp angle, they're going the other direction and dogs, you know, he was a predator. Like they can't, they can't turn like that. Like it's <laughs> the greatest thing was I was able to take him for the majority of his life. He ran off leash and fields for miles, and then he started slowing down. So then we'd walk the neighborhood, and to be able, I remember one time, and he he was off leash and he jumped into this bush and. <laughs> He came up and he had a fucking possum in his mouth. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, drop, drop it, drop it. The possum definitely played dead because there was no blood or anything like that. He dropped it. And I so I swore, I thought, oh my God. And then a couple weeks after that, he jumped into another bush and got skunked in the face. And uh, oh that was, that was incredible in itself. But I wow. thank you for the support. Cause I know you wanted, you have watched Mojito a couple of times and he was a, he hogged your bed, I know, and and you took care of him. I would go on vacation, and I think you coming over or wanting to come over and and be with me said a lot about the relationship that you and I have. And then, in addition to knowing that he was a very important um, part of my life. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I love Mojito. I'm not really a pet person, but you uh, had some good times uh, with Mojito, and you know his giant 150 pound self you know you know i have this giant california king size bed and mojito climbed up on my bed got right smack dab in the middle right <laughs> and then i was like well mojito you have to move right? it's like, like moving a brick house right i have no room on either side of you so it's like he understood me and he started moving his front paws as if he were moving, <laughs> but he didn't go anywhere. <laughs> e A for effort. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, you did understand me, but you really didn't really give a damn. Like you just like, so I just sort of crawled in beside him. Like, okay, we're, we're going to just make this work. Uh. And I tried to move him, but he is so, he was so big. So yeah, Molina was a good dog. And, um, um beast as i called him as you mentioned you know i i named the character in my book blm pd which is based off you um and i nicknamed you beast in the book in honor of, in honor of mojito so <laughs> it also that you can't you can't escape the fact that first of all he was also he was part of the um her oh gosh why am i drawing the god her What's what's the title of the book, sir? Why am no, I not remember? the goddess? No, not the goddess. The BLMPD. Oh, got it. He's got in, it. Right, yes. BLMPD. But but in the goddess book, you're right. The goddess when she meets 
cat dog or cat god and dog god, she refers to dog god as beast. Yes. Like, yeah, you would be my companion, beast. <laughs> ah, one of the best. So his his legend will yeah. always live on. And you know, yes. people are. You know what's great is are that the majority of people that I know in my life have a pet or had a pet and the amount of relatable conversations that have been back and forth with people, either one have lost and grieved, you know, the loss of a pet or two have a pet and can't imagine their lives without that pet. And so having those conversations has been pretty pretty dynamic and pretty eye-opening and of course shedding some tears along the way but yeah I uh I I I rest on my I rest on knowing that that dog had a good life he was loved and he was given as to one of your followers on Twitter said the best gift that the last best gift I could give him so um not as not as sad sir you know, when you think about things that are happening in this world and you talk about the loss of a pet and yes, it's big to me, but to, to think about in this time, I wish that was the only grieving that we were doing. I mean, honestly, I wish it was just the grieving of Mojito, but lo and behold, we have 20, I think it's up to 20 casualties in the state of Texas. Yeah. 20, 21 people, um, 18 or nine. 19 children and two adult teachers um, gunned down yesterday in Uvalde, Texas. Um, element at an elementary Ross something Ross Elementary School um, by an 18 year old man who uh, was from the well, he was born in South Dakota or one of the Dakotas and lived in Texas uh, most of his life and. He turned 18 just a few days ago, and after turning 18, he posted on uh, Instagram that he was about to go, first he was going to go kill his grandmother, and then he was going to air it out, quote unquote, Um, and then on Facebook, he posted uh, about an hour or so before going to the school that, and he showed his, his new um, AR-15 rifles that he had purchased because you're 18 and in Texas you can purchase a killing machine with no background check, no waiting period, no anything just because you're 18 and you don't need a license, you don't need training, you don't need anything. So he posted them and he put on Facebook that he was headed to that school about 30 minutes to an hour before he went and he posted a couple of times on Facebook as a matter of fact that he was headed that way and then very similar to the 10 days before in Buffalo, where he he was engaged by police officers because he crashed his vehicle as, as he got to the school, but they could not stop him from entering the school because not only was he armed to the hilt, but he had on body armor because you could purchase that too. So the good guys with the gun could not prevent him from what he went to do. He said on Facebook he was going to go shoot up a school. And he went right in that classroom and, uh, and, and killed all those uh, fourth graders. They were, they, were oh. second, they were second, third, and fourth graders. So you're looking at um, eight, nine, 10, 11, like those ages like that. And 
Um, he was subsequently killed by those, by different um, law enforcement officers who did arrive on scene. So he did, he did not make it out alive, but neither did any of those kids, right? So um, 18 or 19 killed, another 14 or 15 injured, and they suspect that most of those injured are going to survive. Um, but you know what? So not only, not only are we 10 days past what happened in Buffalo, right? The, the, the white nationalist murder of those um, Black people shopping at Topps grocery store. You know, we're about 10 years past all those kids being killed in Sandy Hook Sandy School. Hook. And just in Texas, the last couple of years, there have been another four or five in Santa Fe, a school in Santa Fe, a school in Houston. Um, there's just been mass mass killings. And there have been more mass killings this year than there have been days of the year so far. And mass is generally considered um, two plus, or some look at it as three plus, but either way you look at it, we have uh, significant issues in this country. So, and then I want to say, because, you know, you look at these issues and, and some people say, well, you know, thoughts and prayers, and we have empirical evidence that neither thoughts nor prayers can prevent this. And in, in the entire rest of the world, the major cause of death of the entire rest of the Western world, as we call it, the major cause, the most common cause of death for kids is car crashes, except for the United States, it's gunfire. Oh my God. Right, so we are, it's us, like we're it, and our gun culture is so strong. And I wrote about it in my blog, our gun culture is so strong that we protect guns and gun owners more than we protect children from guns and gun owners. So um, I wrote about my blog today. It's on Medium, uh, Myron Clifton or DearDean.com or on my Twitter, MyronJClifton.com. Um, and I just simply titled it, You Don't Deserve Guns. Like you don't. We have 100 years empirical evidence that, and the you in this, Jen, is men. We have 100 yep. years empirical evidence that men are incapable of managing their emotions when they have guns. Right, and they kill us. They kill forty to sixty thousand people in this country per year um, with with their guns, and they claim that their rights to have those weapons are more important than our rights to be to stay alive. Stay alive, right? To stay alive, and people say, "Well, you know, people need to hunt." You know what? You are are you are not hunting with an AR fifteen. Nope. And you know what, how many of those guns, We I don't know the statistics, but how many of those guns are actually used to shoot somebody breaking into your house? None. Because that's what it's, I mean, if you think about to, right to bear arms is just so that nobody can come into your home and do harm to you. That's that's basically what that is supposed to be about. Right, yeah, right. you have the right to defend yourself. In your the right to defend yourself, not go out and shoot somebody because you have fucking road rage. Like what happened to right. my girlfriend's friend in Texas. The guy got in a road rage accident, went to his car, shot the guy in the chest and killed him on spot. Wasn't even arrested. My God. So oh. you think about, I know... I think it was you that shared with me that there there was no hotline for a ch a kid an 18 year old with an AR15 to call but there's a hotline to call if you see a woman pull up to planned parenthood in her car. That's right in Texas and when you buy Sudafed you put on a registry but when you <laughs> buy a gun you're not. 
and they then and they passed laws in uh, m- multiple states like 26 or 27 and something like 12 or 13 of those um, are just waiting on the supreme court um to um uh, illegal or make abortion illegal where they have laws in states and texas is one where they will put a bounty on a young woman who leaves the state to go tend to her health care and get an abortion right but they will not monitor an 18 year old boy who goes by ar-15 it's against the law in that state to monitor it to track it to make him register it to background and you can't do any of that but if a girl wants to get an abortion they're going to track everything about her up to and including her her monthly cycle. That's that's how twisted that's how twisted is this is. And that is when you talk about patriarchy, that's what that is. That means that you have men who have made themselves exempt from just about every uh, common sense gun law or decent gun law. But at the same time, they have made women the idea of women, their bodies, pregnancy, illegal in almost, not almost, in so many ways, it's unbelievable. That is the patriarchy. And and you could take this so many other directions. And people say, well, don't politicize it. Everything in this country is politicized. Every 100%. single thing. Yep. You walk outside, your air is politicized. Your car, what you see on TV, where you go to work, everything is politicized. And they say, well, don't talk about it because it just happened. When else are you going to talk about it? That's like Coach Kerr. I think it was. I, I don't want to slaughter his name. Is he the the Warriors coach? Yes, yeah, Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr and his two minute speech yesterday. Not only that, but doing some research, he experienced death by gun violence. His dad did when when Coach was a teenager. Yes, so, Steve Kerr. Yes, that's right. Steve Kerr. Um, dad was a diplomat in Lebanon, I believe it was. Um, when, when he was killed and Steve was, I want to say he was at the time in college at Arizona, maybe Arizona State, I can't remember, but he has long spoken out on uh, violence in America, not just gun violence, uh, but he will speak out about violence. And Steve Kerr, uh, very level-headed. And yesterday at his press conference at the uh, Warrior Dallas Mavericks games, because he's in Texas, and he, he said it unequivocally, he said, look, We have got to do something. This is a sickness and it's very specific. It's not just, this is not a both sides issue. This is um, Republican uh, elected officials, all of whom um, want what's called an A plus rating from the NRA, meaning they get their support, they get money, they get funds and they get their endorsement for running for office. And uh, they, they, they do what they want. They say, um, guns should be free or not free, guns should be available everywhere. Uh, there should be, there should not be any restrictions and they block every type of gun reform that goes through, um, Congress, everything. So it's not Democrats, it's, it's Republicans. Like there's no two both sides about this. And Steve Kerr mentioned that and he was very eloquent and he was passionate, but he was eloquent in saying, you have to get these these Republican senators and Congress people to get on board with this. Um, but they're they're letting this go. He said we had this. We just had a massacre of uh, black people shopping in Buffalo at Topps Market, and then a few days after that, we had Asian people killed inside of a church in uh, Orange County. And now today we have children 
killed in a classroom. And, you know, how much angry do you have to be to say, we don't have to live like this? Uh, there, the, and, and he's right. There's a, there's a famous article that, that The Onion, the satirical publication, they run every time there's a mass shooting. And, the, and it's the same title. And it says, nothing, we don't know what we can do about this. And nothing can be done. Says the only nation in the world where this happens every, you know, with, regular, with regularity. We're the only place that this happens. We're the only place. It's just us. And so it's not mental health. It's not, um, we are uh, more violent than any, uh, we are born more violent than anybody else. It is simply because we have 300 million guns in the hands of men. 300 million. And, and we only have like 330 million people in the United States. Exactly. And 3% of those men, 3% own 80% of those weapons. 80%. And that is insane. It, 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 it's insane. There is absolutely no reason for that. There's just none. And all the justifications, everything just centers around, well, my right, my right, my right. Well, you know what? Fuck you and your rights because yeah. you're goddamn, you're goddamn Second Amendment. And let's talk about that for a minute. People go, oh, Second Amendment is Constitution. Let me tell you something. We need to stop acting like the, the men that created the Constitution, like they were some kind of demigods. They were fucking slave owners. That's what they were. And they yeah. only cared about wealthy white men who owned property. Everybody else can just go suck it somewhere. That was women, kids, all races. It didn't matter. Like they were not infallible people. They were a mess. And they did not envision um, a, 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 a well-regulated militia being an 18-year-old with the AR-15 inside of an elementary school. No. At all. Like, and, 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 and we should not be held hostage by somebody, some, group of, some group of wealthy um, slave-owning landowners who got together and said, hey, let's make us some rules. And forever, like that's not how that, that's how anything's supposed to work. And we are like, well, well, they have, you know, they have the right to bear arms, and they can. Okay, you know what? That's stupid. It's stupid. Like in America, you're not supposed to say something is stupid if it's American. But you know what? It's not like God. If there's a God said America, you're the greatest country in the world. Everybody should have a gun, and now you're protected. You know what? Stop being stupid. Not being stupid. I agree. If you want to have a gun and you find a hobby of shooting and going to a shooting, a gun range and enjoying that type of hobby, because I know some people that just enjoy, they, they love the beauty of a gun. They understand the gun. And, you know, they protect it. They're very, they've, they've went through the proper channels to get their gun. Uh, I can understand that, but it it's not part of a constitutional right. I mean, it's not, no. it shouldn't be deemed and fallen under the constitutional right to bear arms. Right. It should be, right. We need to reevaluate that constitution. Yeah, absolutely. We do. And it's just, it, it's just a mess. It is just a mess. And we have, you know, There'll be, uh, they haven't even held funerals for the people who were killed in Orange County and all those people that were killed in Buffalo. And now they're plotting the funerals of uh, these kids killed in, um, in, um, in Texas. And, um, you know, you have, uh, to, this is just one day later and there will be more to come. 
you know, it, it just, we know these things tend to spike anecdotally around summer. It, we, we're not even in summer yet. Nope. Sir, do so, we know why? Do we know what this, um, this terrorist what his reasonings for going to an elementary school? Was there any, we know for the racist in Buffalo, he had a manifesto about what we talked about last week. And that was a replacement theory. And so do we have anything on this terrorist of why he, I know he killed his grandmother first, why he went to this school? You know what? Um, Some early reports are saying that he may have attended that school. And, uh, but they haven't sorted it out yet. Okay. He is a mayor. Like I said, he was born in one of the Dakotas and uh, grew up in that uh, city in Texas, in that area. And um, as with everything in America, there's always a racial component, right? So, so this is what happens. So there's a, there's a, there's a, the the news of a mass shooting or, you know, some major um, event like that hits the airways and social media and then everyone's waiting to find out is he black is he white is he an immigrant is it um is um someone who could we identify as a follower of islam people are waiting because all the sides are waiting to take place and then you find out this guy's name is um uh, ramos uh, salvatore i think is his name i don't want to get his name right um so he has what we identify as a hispanic uh name but, you know, you could be any race and be Hispanic. You, you, it, it doesn't fit. Um, Hispanic Latino does not fit into the, um, dico- the binary black white because you could be you could be you could have a Hispanic surname and be black, like darker than me, black, because you can be um, um, Afro Latino and be black. Right. Or you could be white and have that name. You're talking skin color. So then you see his photo. And he's white skinned, right? So now you have, okay, wait a minute. Well, what is this guy? Because people want to know because everything is racial in America. So there were some early, there were some early people saying he was an immigrant. We needed to close our borders. And and that was just because of his name, right? And so then they go, wait a minute. He was born in the the Dakotas. I want to say South Dakota, but I could be wrong. Um, But one of the Dakota, he's born right here, born, bred, American. Then you go, well, but he grew up, he grew up in Texas. Okay, well, wait a minute. But but what is he? And so people are still trying to find out. He, and you don't know. You just know he has that name. Now he grew up in the area, because then he started looking at the politics. They go, well, what? What is is this town? This is all Biden people. And somebody told up the politics. Well, most of the Latino Hispanic men in that city, 50-something percent, voted for Donald Trump. Oh. You go, okay, wait a minute. So it doesn't fit into all the boxes that America's, America likes to put on, on it, it likes to um, um, uh, refer to when you get to situations like this. And then they, you know, people start digging through the family's social media because people want to find out what's what, right? So it was, it was awards day at the school. There's all these pictures of those cute little um, kid faces holding up their award, you know, perfect attendance, best student, all the little kid stuff. And as a dad mourning his daughter and they look at his shirt and his shirt is, you know, one of those anti don't take my gun kind of things, you know, one of those kind of shirts. And they look at his and his social media and his social media is full of him supporting Kyle Rittenhouse, Rittenhouse oh. the white kid who drove 
through all those states to get to Wisconsin and kill some, kill a couple of white people, right? So he's supporting him. He's championing him. You go, okay, where do you put this? He has a Hispanic surname. The guy is a Trump supporter. He's supporting Kyle Rittenhouse and guns. And now his kid is dead from a, a very similar incident uh, person than Kyle Rittenhouse, same guy he was supporting. Like, where do you put that? And wow. here's where I land on it, Jen. Regardless of your politics and regardless of your, of your support for a president, a dictator, a sports team, your child does not deserve to be murdered like that. Nope. Right? Look, they were, you don't deserve that. And I don't think, I think it's reprehensible to then look at a parent's politics and say, well, you supported these other people, so that's some karma. No, that, that's, you don't do that to people because children don't pick their parents and they don't pick their parents' politics, right? And, and, and that, it, it's just wrong. And, and at a moment when people are mourning, and let me tell you how bad it is. See, this is something that's usually hidden from the American public. We don't show pictures of dead soldiers that come home and we, don't, we tend not to show pictures of people who are killed in mass and mass killings. This is one of the, why it was very powerful when, um, when I can't think of her name, um, it's gonna come to me in a minute, just gave my name, but she wanted uh, her son's casket to be open during uh, when he was killed by um, Klansman back in, the, back in the 60s, and his name is just escaping me, it'll come to me oh. just a minute. Um, but, but it was on Time Magazine, she wanted, he was lynched, Emmett Till, when Emmett Till was lynched, her, his mother demanded that his casket be open faced so the world could see what her son looked like. And that's a, still an iconic, horrific um, picture. But we don't see that in America. We sanitize death. But it is a fact that that last night, as authorities were trying to identify the bodies, what you can't identify um, is children killed by AAR-15s because the weapons are so powerful it utterly destroys those bodies, those heads, those torsos. You can identify them. So you know what they have to do? They have to get DNA from the parents oh. and, and match them with body parts. So those parents, they gathered them all last night and said, if your child hasn't come to you, then your child is in this classroom. We can identify anybody. So we need to take DNA swabs from you and match them to the different DNA from the body parts and the flesh that we have in this classroom. Oh my God. And so we don't show that out of respect to the families. But what happens is Americans don't see the damage that AR-15s do. And I believe something like the last 20 something mass murders were all conducted using AR-15s. My God. It, it, yes. Coach Kerr says we become numb. Like we're starting we to numb. become numb. Yes, you, you just numb. You go to you go to the next thing, and even today um, we're recording this on Wednesday, the day after the tragic event, on um, the tragic massacre. The the very um, just a ghoul, ghoulish governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, or as I call him, Greg, Greg A. Butt, he gets up and says, "Well, you know, it could have been worse, you know, because law enforcement did a tr tremendous job." He's like, "Motherfucker." What like you do fuck? not, you do not use a at least in a moment like this. 
you do not do that. And so whew, people yeah. voted for that guy. Do you have, I mean, think about how we're in California, how we had to last year go through a uh, recall with Governor Newsom. And I don't know if I've heard that in Texas. Has there been any attempt to recall this fucker? No, and uh, they won't. However, um, Texas is uh, voting on its governor uh, in the fall. And um, Greg Abbott is in a tight is expected to be in a tight race with um, Beto O'Rourke. And Beto O'Rourke today, during that press conference that uh, Abbott was doing, it was a ghoulish, awful press conference. Beto O'Rourke was there and he walked up to the podium and said, you are complicit. You and your people, you mean your cabinet and uh, so forth, this is on your hands. You have the power to change laws and so forth. And it turned into a big kerfuffle. Because uh, Greg Abbott, he's the one that helped pass the law. No background checks, no no tracking. You could take guns anywhere. And he has a famous tweet that is still up where he shies Texans for purchasing fewer guns than Californians. And this, this is the gun culture we're, we're dealing with that is deeply rooted in men being unable to manage their emotions and unable to talk out their feelings of inadequacy and wanting to hoard power over everybody else. And you know what? And that's not just white men. Just because there's white men that make the laws and enforce laws and they are gun uh, fetish fetishizers, but it's black men too. And it's Hispanic men too. It's men. It, it is men who decided that they need the most lethal um, invented or created personal weapon weapon the most lethal in the history of the world that they need so many of those right because they are they they are just fearful so this country's mythology is bold brave manifest destiny destiny we're the hero we're the good guys when in fact that's not true we 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 want as men we want to have ultimate power over you and we want to be able to use that anytime we want to without consequence that's all it is that is all it is so yeah 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 we went deep into this but i we think went it's deep important. into that and i i walk with pepper yeah. spray like listen i'm a female that right? walks early in the morning and i just take pepper spray with me that could be and that shoots up to 25 feet so yeah. it's not gonna lose to a gun but i i I don't know if there's a right. lot of people out there that are coming up at, at me with a gun, but right. You know and what? The, and the, yeah, pepper spray is 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 viable and it works. And and men, because of tox, toxic masculinity, uh, effeminize pepper spray. Oh no, you need to have a gun. You need to have a gun. And it's just it, it's a sickness. Our our country is is sick with um, the gun disease and worse than COVID, it, you know, or any other virus. That's the virus that has us. Three. Just remember, there's 300 million personal guns in this nation, and three percent of men own 80 percent of those. Unbelievable, God. When you yeah. say it like that, it's. I, I do. This has been. I know we went. The last couple of weeks we've said, oh, we're not going shallow. I think these are pretty important pieces. I don't know if through your unbelievable context and information that anybody caught Garfunkel or Garfunkel or what did you say? Garf what you you made some sort of comment of it's Ger Garfunkel? 
I don't know. What I don't the know fuck? That. I don't know. You I learned was that so from bad. one of your uncles? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was, I don't know. I was rambling. I was so mad, man. It's just like, what do we do with this anger? And I, you know what? You know, I, you know what, Jen, I'll leave it with this that, that this is a reason that it's important to vote. Because if you, when we don't vote, we leave it to people like these gun fetish people to make all the rules. This is what happens when we don't vote. Then, then, the, then those people get their way and they get to decide what is right for them and for us. And so I, for one, I have always voted because I want, um, I want to affect change. And with voting, you don't always get everything you want, but it's a certainty that you get nothing you want when you don't vote. Well, and then they'll say the majority won. They spoke. The the majority has spoken when, in fact, the majority didn't. It's because they didn't vote. Yes. Yes. That's exactly exactly it. You're so right about you're so right about voting, I think. I don't know if enough emphasis. And I think I I heard a statistic or saw a statistic that just this year, 18 million people, the number could be wrong. So I don't want to be held accountable to it. That turned 18. So there's a big chunk of our society that recently turned 18 and has the right to vote. And I think those are going to be the, the, the power players in this June 7th election um that's coming up yes and so um and we and we want them to vote Um, we want them to vote get out and vote mofos that's exactly it typically that demographic votes the least but we are not in normal times and so um the efforts to get youth to vote and then everybody not just youth, but we need everybody to get out and vote this these um, in in california the election is in um, june 7th you can do early voting right now um, and then around the nation, midterms started happening around, um, they're happening now through November. So a lot will be happening. So um, I think, Jen, you know, um, we tend not to go deep on many issues, but I think today, uh, because of the uniqueness of the situation, uh, we lost our beloved Mojito. And then we have the tragic massacre in Texas with the school kids that I think we leave it at this. We'll come back next week and we'll resume our normal um uh, shallowness with uh, all the topics that our listeners have come to love, you know, movies, TV, what we're Your eating. Your uncle stories. We need- My uncle stories. That's right. That's right. That's right. And all, all the, all the, all the regular stuff that we talk about, but I think it was, it was the right thing to do to talk about um, uh, Mojito today because he's so close and we love him. And then also what happened in, um, in, in Texas. The hope is, through all of this, that eventually we don't have to keep continuing to have these conversations that we can. That's the hope. Yeah, that's the hope. And go out and vote, folks. Get your kids that are 18, that are turning 18, get them to vote. I mean, this is our time. You know, people say, what can I do to make a change? And this is what it is, voting. That's what, that's how you make a change instead of sitting around waiting for other people to make the decision for you. So I appreciate and value the thought that, you know, we went deeper today. We had a really good discussion. I learned some talking points like I always do from you. I value the perspective that you share and how you actually break it 
it down for the dummies like myself, as far as taking information from every aspect that's available to us and putting it into the context that can be relatable and understandable. So hopefully today folks learn something just as well as I did uh, in regards to the changes, our gun laws, the attention to those gun laws that need to be done. And that one final thing that we don't go numb. We might go shallow, but we cannot go numb. I love that. And so audience, thanks, Jen, for that um, summary. Go rate us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Give us the highest rating you can possibly give us. Leave us a comment in, re in the reviews as well. We'd love to hear from you. Visit me on Twitter at Myron J. Clifton, um, Dear Dean Publishing, or Myron Clifton on Facebook and Instagram. Check out my blog at DearDean.com, or I'm also on Medium. And check out my Amazon page where all my books are as well. Where can we find you, Jen? You can find me at Jen Van Lannen Veg. That's where I share most of my um, daily topics and or a lot was based on on mojito and i would say that if you want to go deeper on some of these conversations especially when it comes to the political side of things uh especially abortion that's on the plate gun laws definitely check out myron's dear dean blog he articulates and send a message on every category you can go back um, last year, I think maybe even two years to catch some of those blogs. And I will tell you, if you don't learn something, I will come to your house and make you a vegan meal. Like I'm telling you, you will learn something in that. So uh, you just it. have to fly me to the UK if that's where I have to go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jen. Everybody have a, have a good week. Uh, rate us and we'll see you next week. Yeah. Stay safe.